0: How's it going everyone? We're here with the 62nd episode of Fear Frequency and if you're a new listener this is a weekly horror podcast where George and I will round up all of the best horror news and then review a movie or two and sometimes a game. I'm your host Jimmy Champagne and
1: I'm George Frazard.
0: and uh, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review over on iTunes. A five-star one is preferable but you don't even have to really write out a review but the perk there is that we'll read it on the
1: show if you do um also you can email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com and we'll read those messages on the show as well
0: but yeah this week we're coming at you live from new york we have some news on the toy fair the dune remake and shutter's creep show and in segment two we're talking about happy death day to you and the first thing on here i wanted to talk about george is the friday the 13th lawsuit update so basically we talked about this lawsuit a couple times, right? We talked about it. Well, We've covered why we can't get yeah. Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> movie? What's going on here is that Victor Miller is the guy who wrote the screenplay for Friday the Thirteenth one, okay. And he wrote it for Sean Mil- Sean Cunningham, who owns Horror Inc. And there's this law in place that says after 35 years, you can take back a script you wrote uh, legally, but you have to give the person two years lead time. To like figure it out with you to keep the script uh and the like property so that you can like set up a revenue share going forward for all future properties. The problem here is that Victor Miller didn't get like any money from Friday the Thirteenth and its many sequels. <laughs> he got ten grand to write it and then never saw a dime after this that. This multi-billion-dollar
1: so like, franchise.
0: <laughs> yeah, in t- June twenty eighteen would have been the time that he could terminate it, so he did. And then Sean Cunningham, for some reason sued him and because he doesn't want to give the rights back i guess and figure it out with the mm-hmm. guy so that's why we haven't had um a new movie but unfortunately for cunningham he lost the first round of the lawsuit victor miller got the rights for friday the 13th in the u.s and sean cunningham got them internationally which means that we'll never see a friday the 13th movie until these guys figure their shit out uh sean cunningham appealed it but he just withdrew the appeal and and it turns out that was just for a technical reason, though, so he'll probably refile it. Hmm. Just just really bizarre. It's really
1: dumb. So this muddy <laughs> legal mess continues.
0: It's basically 100% fueled by greed on Sean Cunningham's <laughs> part. I don't, like, people are kind of saying it's greedy of Victor Miller, but I don't think it is, because it's kind of bullshit that he wrote this script and hasn't seen a dime from it since.
1: Right. Like, he should have some kind of cut of this revenue stream of this massive franchise that he started
0: yeah and what sucks most about this is that right now via warner brothers new line has a nightmare on elm street friday the 13th and the texas chainsaw massacre so they could kind of like make another shared ish universe sort of like the conjuring if they could figure out this friday the 13th mess
1: yeah i mean that would have been opportunities for big (laughs) you know they could do like their own dark universe of 80s slasher villains which would be pretty awesome
0: yeah because i really like what they do with the conjuring where you know like having a misstep like the nun or the first annabelle doesn't really affect the other movies they're just like using characters and stuff Mm. it doesn't really influence the world in a way a marvel movie would you know
1: right they're shared universes in the sense that they exist or they'll foreshadow events that happen in other movies but it's not detrimental to the story usually it'll be like their ending scene will replace a scene that's already happened in another movie, not change yeah. the events drastically.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. I just wanted to give a quick update on that because I know people are really interested in what's going on with Friday the thirteenth, but how's your week going so far?
1: Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. Saw so, uh, happy cool. death day to you. Um did you see that yesterday? No, I, oh yeah. I saw that on Sunday
0: oh i didn't get president's day off but you did right so you had a nice three-day weekend it was a
1: nice nice extra day to play jump force
0: (laughs) how's jump force
1: i really like it
0: is it fun that's what matters (laughs) i guess did you make a guy oh yeah
1: i got the best anime character on the block
0: (laughs) what's his His name name is senpai did you that's awesome that's not as good as grade <laughs> it's not or like it's not like uh my
1: city and, and new leaf but <laughs> but he's uh he's pretty powerful
0: yeah i I went to chicago over the weekend and then um played a lot of apex legends and got metro La- or metro exodus when i came back that's a good game
1: that game is really weird but it's cool Yeah, i've seen some pretty favorable reviews of that people who started that seem to like it
0: yeah, it's, like, it's a lot different than 2033 and Last Light because it kind of has this open area thing like where you're on a train and you go from open area to open area. But they did a good job with it. And the weapon crafting is a lot like Crisis, mm-hmm. So I like that because Crisis is awesome.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to check that out and uh, Far Cry New Dawn.
0: Yeah, I, I have that. I've started it. I haven't gotten far enough in it. But it has some cool stuff like it does the Borderlands thing where... When you shoot guys, they actually have level bars now. Mm-hmm. I've and seen that. Where, items have rarity. Right,
1: they have the like MMO numbers style where you see damage ticking off on enemies and all that.
0: Yeah, so that's what I've been up to. I haven't really watched a whole lot of horror stuff. I did watch... Have you seen this documentary show, Abducted
1: in Plain Sight? I was going to start it. I saw it on Netflix, but I haven't uh, checked it out yet.
0: Okay, so this is, like, an hour and a half movie. I thought it was, like, a show, but it's actually just a movie. This is the most insane shit I've ever seen. I watched it on the plane to Chicago. Oh, my God. It's, like, this family... I don't want to spoil things, but this family had this, like, family friend who was, like, really charming. And he basically charmed his way into their family and, like, ruined all their lives. But it was mainly because he's a pedophile and he was, like, into their daughter... And these people let them let this dude like sleep in their daughter's bed and all this weird shit. It it was crazy. And just they get some honest testimony from the girl's parents and stuff. Oh my god, <laughs> you gotta watch it. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. But that I watched yeah. that. And it was wild. the
1: only horror stuff I've watched recently besides Happy Death Day. Was I got caught up on True Detective season three?
0: Oh, cool. I need to watch that. It's, it's about to very end. Very good. So then yeah. I can start finale it.
1: is on sunday so we got one week left
0: yeah i want to watch the town that dreaded sundown really bad because friend of the show charles briner sent me a picture of a mask he made from it and then i started thinking about that movie and it's like starting to warm up a little bit and i was like damn i want to like i want to watch that movie so i think i'm gonna watch the old one and the new one i really hope though that uh joe bob when he has his weekly series start in march that he covers that in some capacity.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Because I would. Like I to really see that. like those movies. I think that the that sequel is really original and a cool way to revitalize a, or not even revitalize, but kind of reboot a movie. But sort yeah, of be a sequel. It was weird
0: that it didn't make any money. I don't, dude. I don't even remember it going into theaters. <laughs> no, when I like. I remember we watched it like way after it came out, and we never heard of it.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely not on either of our radar, but we had one of our weekends where we just watched like eight movies in a row, so that that popped up somehow, and it's always been a movie that I've thought was really good, but thought it was strange that no one's ever talked about it.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. That's that's what I've been thinking about. Uh, I I've been watching the Joe Bob. I've been catching up on the Thanksgiving and Christmas special. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, Phantasm Three, was. Awesome, <laughs> that movie was sick. I think we should do a Phantasm episode or something
1: because those movies so far I've seen one and three, and they're both really good. Yeah, I'd be into that. Um, also, I know the shutter just put out that horror noir documentary. I haven't, oh, I need to watch, yeah, I've that I've gotten a chance to check that we should out do yet. That too. But I've heard that's excellent as well.
0: Yeah, so we've got what do we have coming up? We have us coming up. I guess Lords of Chaos is out now. And we have that Shutter documentary. So there's some good stuff to talk about in the near future. But over the weekend, NECA uh, showed off a bunch of new toys at Toy Fair. Which I think it's like a trade show that's not open to the public. But this is where like Hasbro and Lego and NECA and everyone kind of announce and show off their new toys for the year. And the big one that obviously I think we both like is a Halloween 2 Michael Myers figure that comes with two masks, heads. One with bleeding eyes. Uh, I really like that. He comes with a syringe, a knife, a hammer, and the jack o' lantern from the title sequence that opens up, which looks great. Now, oh, and it has a Ben Tramer mask too, which incredible. I like that. <laughs> the weird thing though is that his body is the exact. I'm looking at the Michael.
1: Yeah, it's the same mold <laughs> it's as the almost 2018 identical figure. <laughs> yeah, the Halloween 2018. The only
0: difference is uh, the. The hands are different, and the collar on the jumpsuit's different, but almost identical. Right. Don't like them, <laughs> gotta say. But
1: it's like 75% the same toy.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I will buy this, though. Yeah. They got that weird hair flare out. It's the first Ben too. Tramer
1: action figure. You gotta get it.
0: Yeah, I tweeted that. People really liked that. <laughs> I was like, this is dumb. I'm. Oh, why am I tweeting this? And then people really liked it. Uh. But that that was a cool announcement from them. I really want it just for the Ben Tramer mask and that opening pumpkin because yeah. that looks incredible. That also awesome. Um, what else did they show off? They showed off eight. They have eighteen inch versions of their toys now. I guess they have a Pennywise from the new movie. They have a Michael Myers from the twenty eighteen movie, and they have a Pennywise from the TV adaptation. So the picture of the Michael Myers is hilarious because it looks exactly the same as the one sitting on my desk, but they have a size comparison for the Pennywise and it's just like a big version <laughs> of the normal NECA toy, which is weird, but I guess that's cool. Yeah, but Are you into this?
1: It's weird. Like I, I might pick up the bigger one just cause I think the bigger form factor would be cool to have on like your desk somewhere.
0: Which one of these would you like the Pennywise or the other Pennywise or the Michael Myers?
1: Um, I think that the big new Pennywise looks great, and so does the Michael Myers.
0: Yeah, I don't have a new Pennywise, but I really like him. So, I think I'd get that. Yeah. That was another cool update. <laughs> they also had these, like... Did you see those, the ones that are kind of like Scooby-Doo yeah, versions the, like, of Freddy Yeah, the 70s cartoon Pennywise. style. Yeah, the weird thing is, though, that there's an artist out there who drew a Jason in the Scooby Doo style a long time ago. And it looks almost identical in the posing and the way it looks. And he was not asked by NECA about that. I don't know if anything new has happened with that, but I saw people kind of being There's like, some what kind the of fuck?
1: rumblings about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I I don't think NECA would intentionally steal. You know, I NECA and Randy who run NECA, they've proven time and time again they're just
1: good people right. so i don't and i feel like if there is think any it's worth accusing them issue over. they'd like to try to make it right in some way
0: right and then did you see any other toys that you liked from here yeah. i know i sent you a um, few i saw a closed clothed michael myers
1: like yep. a cloth jumpsuit one that i really want um, also the season of the witch action figures
0: oh how do we forget that dude yeah so NECA's doing a three pack of the season of the witch halloween three toys with little kid bodies uh, with each wearing the mask like one of the right. masks and they said that they're still working out pricing because they've never done a kid body size toy i guess before or at least in a while and they've never done a three pack of kid toys so they're figuring out the pricing on that and i saw somewhere that the 18 inch figures are going to be 50 which makes sense since they're more than two times the size of the right normal size figures man so that was a really cool announcement the um Clothed Michael Myers, I really want. And then I saw Mezco Toys had um they announced their one twelfth scale figure, Michael Myers from Halloween two, which looked great to me.
1: Also the Tom Atkins action figure. I'm not sure if that's oh, yeah, from shit. Season of the Witch or if it's from Night of the Creeps, but he has his little beer can and his cloth trench coat.
0: So that would be that would be Night of the Creeps, yeah. because the the Miller time <laughs> joke doesn't make any sense we've never done that movie either oh, which is an that. all-time
1: classic of-
0: yeah it's so good <laughs> it's unreal how good yeah, that movie that tom
1: atkins is. masterpiece
0: yeah and then i saw um that lego this is a star wars thing they that sh- new show that's out star wars resistance which is apparently like terrible there's a red tie interceptor in it and lego is doing a f- kit of that and i i will definitely buy that but that's pretty much all I saw from Toy Fair. Yeah. A lot of good Halloween representation. Yeah, definitely a
1: lot of toys. like, <laughs> and, and a lot more that I would like to pick up than I would have expected.
0: Yeah, I need to get a new shelf or, like, pair things down.
1: <laughs> yeah, just to have it's more bad. to display.
0: Yeah, because there's stuff that's up there just to fill space right mm. now. And I know, like, if I got some other figures, like, I could fill that space more economically.
1: But yeah, but a lot of cool stuff. I, um A lot of sites have covered all the stuff that came out, but there's definitely a lot to look forward to toy-wise in the upcoming months.
0: Right. So, I like Toy Fair. We talk about it every year, which is fun. Um, The next thing on here is really exciting for me. So... Brian Bertino is the guy who directed The Strangers, and I think he wrote it as well. He's kind of flown under the radar since The Strangers. I think he's done a lot of producing. He also wrote, and I guess directed that movie, Mockingbird. He did The Monster for A24, which is an incredibly underrated movie. Uh, I guess he wrote this upcoming home invasion movie called Day for a production company called Dark Castle. And this guy named Daniel Stam is going to direct it, which I've never really heard of him, but he just did the Valentine's Day episode of Into the Dark, and they said that they're casting this movie right now, and basically it's about a bunch of dudes who work on an oil refinery in Texas, and they get confronted with an attack of a certain kind out in the desert, and they said that it's a home invasion movie. So um, I am very stoked for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this is right up my alley.
1: Yeah, I think Strangers 1 is a modern, like set piece for what home invasion movies should be it's like an archetype for what a modern (laughs) home invasion movie is so i think having him write another one is just natural
0: yeah and he said uh he said it turns the concept of a home invasion movie on its head it's not a close quarters home invasion but more of you see on the horizon what is coming it's very smart and it kind of follows a little bit rhythmically the same pattern as the strangers which whatever like sign me up (laughs) i really like brian bertino i wish that he was more public about what he worked on like mockingbird i watched that alone on like a stormy night in college and that was really good that movie scared the crap out of me fucking uh the monster was great
1: yeah that's an excellent movie
0: (laughs) the dude has no reason really to fly as under the radar as he does but it's kind of like ty west yeah it's like where are you (laughs) it's
1: just like every once in a while he'll pop some great movie out and not even talk about it and you stumble upon it year, like years or months after like why didn't i see this when it came out
0: (laughs) yeah so like this seems like it'll probably be a low budget thing but that's okay because it's like seemingly one location like an oil refinery i feel like they could do some really cool stuff with this it's not going too crazy it doesn't seem like I would guess that this is going to not be a theatrical movie and would probably either be a festival movie or like a VOD
1: release. Possibly a streaming like other stuff. on Hulu or Netflix or something like that.
0: Yeah. If they, Netflix isn't calling it an original yet, which makes me excited because obviously that's a sign of worry. If Netflix <laughs> is making a movie, but um, I'd like to know, I'd like to know if he'd ever go back and do his own sequel to the strangers and kind of like halloween
1: it you know it'd be interesting to see his take on what the next part of that story would be the weird thing is knowing that
0: so ryan turk put pray at night on his top 10 me and your close friend graham who's been on the show put strangers pray at night in his top 10 of last year and friend of the show luke jaggers they all like strangers pray at night so I kind of want to give that movie another chance, but I know I'll probably still not like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what it is about that. I don't know if it's a taste thing or or what, but I think it's just to me that movie is all sizzle and no steak. There's nothing Yeah,
0: that's a, that's such a good way to put it.
1: <laughs> like there's a few scenes that look really good, but it all just feels like empty when you look into it for any deeper than surface level.
0: Right. It's like how people are talking about Anthem and they're saying it's as vast as an ocean and shallow as a puddle. Yeah. You know, like, that's kind of what it is. You don't like any of the characters. The best, like, so when you talk to anyone who does like the movie, they go, well, the pool scene's great, but I don't like the movie and I fully acknowledge that the pool pool scene is great, but everything else kind of sucks. Like,
1: Right. I mean, I, I think know. that's the one scene that's objectively pretty awesome. I mean, other than... The scene that's ripped right out of Christine with the flaming car coming down the bridge is also looks cool, but that's soured ripped right from Christine. So much <laughs> of the
0: movie. Did you see that picture that came out of uh, the alternate ending where the, the sack head one is was going to have like a burned face and he was going to show up in the hospital room at the very end? I
1: think I remember hearing about that, but I'm not sure if I saw the clip.
0: <sighs> that burned face looked awesome. I would have been stoked if he came in there and killed that girl because she sucked i forgot her name but she was terrible she's like the for a main character like oh my god they should have killed her off the brother he was like 40 and playing an 18 year old which is off but they hide his age job.
1: extremely heavily <laughs> like you can't find he out the how old the hairline activist.
0: he had the same hairline as chucky <laughs> bride of chucky <laughs> i was like damn dude <laughs> Try harder, but uh, Christina Hendricks was in that movie for, like, five minutes. I don't know. Maybe we'll do, like, you know, there's not that many horror movies coming out in the next few months. There's, like, a few. Maybe we'll do a revisit. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Or we haven't done any, like, 80s movies that we love, so we have some
1: options. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: But anyways, Brian Bertino is coming back to write a movie. Let's see him direct a theatrical film. How about I'd that? I'd be into that's that. What, that's what I want to see. Because I'll keep track of awesome. day. Yeah. I need to watch that. I got that sick Blu-ray last year. Just never watched it. Just bought it, threw it in my shelf, <laughs> never touched it. I don't even think I opened it.
1: I think I have a it's few dumb. movies like that sitting at my...
0: I do that a lot. Like, it's bad, dude. I did that with Halloween 3. Oh. I bought that sick Blu-ray, never watched it. <laughs> it's like, I, I ended up like
1: streaming it.
0: Because I didn't want to, like, get up and put the Blu-ray in my <laughs> like, this is definitely
1: easier to just stream it.
0: <laughs> I rented it on Amazon. I paid $4 <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, De v- Denis Villeneuve. V- Villeneuve? Denis Villeneuve. Is that how you say it?
1: I think it's Villeneuve.
0: Villeneuve? Villeneuve? That sounds nicer. I don't know. He's making Dune. He's remaking Dune, which is, like, pretty good because that movie is... The original one that uh what's his name david lynch mm-hmm. did is like unfinished because it was so horribly missed shot and directed but uh denis vayanue or whatever is remaking it they've cast a billion people in it it's getting a november 2020 release date and he's got like timothy chalamet don't know who he <laughs> is rebecca ferguson's gonna be in it she's cool got josh brolin he's fucking awesome javier bardem also incredible, Dave Bautista, got Drax up in there, (laughs) Stellan Starsguard, who's related to the one who plays Pennywise, Oscar Isaac, my boy Poe Dameron, (laughs) Charlotte Rampling, don't know who she is, and mutual love interest for us, Zendaya.
1: Also, um, Jason Momoa is in talks to be in the movie, Uh, but but it seems like every day you hear a new AAA star is like... Yeah, maybe I'll be in Dune, so this thing is definitely getting huge traction.
0: <laughs> Hopefully uh, Jason Momoa doesn't have any lines. <laughs> it's kind of hard to like break a 40 over your knee and go, uh, bruh, in <laughs> Dune. But uh, the like synopsis is, set in the distant future, Dune tells the story of Paul, whose family accepts control of the desert planet Arrakis. The only producer of highly valuable resource, Control of Arrakis is highly contested among competing noble families. Uh, so it sounds like rated R Star Wars, and this guy has only made 10 out of 10 movies, so I think this is something worth being excited about. Yeah, um,
1: he, he really is a truly amazing director, one of the modern greats. So I think having this kind of movie that the even the original is pretty beloved in his hands is going to turn out great.
0: Have you ever read Doom? I haven't read it. I feel I like... haven't
1: seen the original, um, but I think it might be time for for a watch before this movie comes out in November.
0: I love David Lynch.
1: Yeah. I
0: heard the movie's weird and like wasn't able to be finished, but I would like to watch it. I think there's a Criterion release that I will buy and probably never open, but I want to read the book
1: because I hear it's awesome. Is it a series or is it just one novel?
0: I don't know. I think it's a big ass book. Like a huge Yeah, book. just
1: like one giant one.
0: Yeah, so maybe that's one that maybe that's your next audio yeah. book. If we ever get through the backlog of Case
1: <laughs> Yeah, if I'm done with like my seven hours a week at Case File, I'll listen to.
0: Yeah, that podcast is amazing. <laughs> so next up on here, Greg Nicotero. We've known for a little while now that he's rebooting Creepshow for Shudder as a TV show, which sounds like Chef's Kiss. Perfect. Yeah. No one's complaining about that. He shared an image from the set uh, of that like weird Grim Reaper type dude, I forgot his name.
1: Do you know his name? I'm not sure what the, what the character name? name is, but he's like it, the. If you've seen Creepshow, Show, you know who he is. He has the little he's the guy from the put on, and he taps on the window while the little kids inside reading the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that guy from the comic
0: book. Uh, they showed a picture of him tapping on a window, and it's a big puppet. I love
1: it. it that'd and be then, awesome if that was part of some kind of like. Uh, theme song or intro trailer for each episode if they do it as a show where they have the same intro every time but then they change what the story is
0: yeah so uh, this is cool so they have a six episode season coming out and one of them is not announced yet but one episode is going to be an adaptation of a stephen king story so what we've got here is announced though is by the silvery waters of lake Chaplin, which is by joe hill who's stephen king's son uh, we got The House of the Head by Josh Mallerman, who did Bird Box. Yikes. We got The Companion by Joe Lansdale, who did The Bottoms. Never heard of that. We got The Man in the Suitcase by Christopher Buhlman. All Hallows Eve by Bruce Jones. It's a Halloween episode. We got Night of the Paw by John Esposito. And we got Bad Wolf Down by Rob Shrab. So, six-episode season. Probably is a pretty high budget. Greg Nicotero does not fuck around. It's going to be out later this year. How do you feel about
1: this? I'm excited. Um, I think that this lineup sounds pretty cool. Um, I, I don't really know. I'm not familiar with the, any of these stories, but I think that these kind of small featurette anthology style is a good route to take for Shudder. I think it'll be a cool show.
0: Right. But the best, the best thing about this is that it seems like it's going to be a reunion for people who worked on VHS and Southbound and VHS 2. So you've got David Bruckner. He's directing at least a couple episodes. He did The Ritual. Mm -hmm. He did some awesome segments in uh, VHS. He's a great director. You've got Roxanne Benjamin, who was a producer on VHS and Southbound and XX. She's directing one. You've got Rob Schrab, who uh, directed some episodes of Community and Ghosted. So I'm assuming that one will be a comedy horror thing. And uh, John Harrison, who was the first assistant director for George Romero on the original Creepshow movie, is uh, doing an episode that he co-wrote with Nicotero. So I don't know if Shutter just like pooled all the money together that they had to make this, but they're they're not fucking yeah, around.
1: They, like this, I feel like this would be pretty. They bad. definitely have a lot of the talent that you'd want to hear that they have for something like this, um, and, and it makes sense if you're going to make an anthology series, why wouldn't you want the people who did VHS? Where the first two movies are pretty great, third one really tanked it, but at least two out of three of this anthology series is awesome and pretty well-beloved by the general consensus.
0: Yeah, and it's like, if you're in Shudder's perspective, uh, they definitely don't have a ton of money to play around with, I don't think, so if they're going to do something like this and spend all the money to get this show made with someone like Greg Nicotero... They're going to do it right because they can't really afford to fuck up. You know, right.
1: they have one shot at it. If nobody subscribes to Shutter for this and nobody watches it, they're not going to just they don't have Netflix money where they can be like, oh, well, we'll just do it again in two years.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm so excited for that Joe Bob series, though. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I need it. Fucking need it. He was calling Shutter out in the Phantasm 3 <laughs> episode. He was like, he's like, uh, I want He want to get some song that's performed in the movie. But the shutter lawyers, I guess, just didn't want to contact Don Casperelli and ask him to use it. And he was like, they're fucking lazy.
1: <laughs> Joe like, Bob doesn't take awesome. anybody's Sorry. shit. <laughs> if, you, if you slight him, did he's you know not happy this, about it. D-
0: did you read the, the interview with him in Fangoria? Not
1: yet. No, I haven't gotten around to it. Oh,
0: my God. I'm just going to spoil one little bit of it. Did you know that he meticulously scripts all of the like, Joe Bob breaks and uh, they're done off a teleprompter? Really? Yeah, when Fangoria was there, I guess the teleprompter broke and started speeding up gradually, and they thought that he would cut the take, Mm -hmm. right? But he just kept going, and it kept getting faster and faster and faster, and it was a perfect take. He never screwed up.
1: (laughs) Those feel so natural and off the cuff. I would have assumed he literally just takes a giant sip of (laughs) Lone Star and then just spouts out like a 30-minute ramble (laughs) on whatever movie he just watched
0: yeah i can't remember if we were talking about this last week but basically he's doing a show at south by southwest and i think it's called how redneck saved cinema or something uh and it's a show he's been doing for a while but he was like on twitter being like you can spend 1500 bucks to go to my uh, (laughs) show at south by southwest or you can pay ten dollars and see it the next week one town over (laughs) It's like it's so funny, dude. And someone else was tweeting. I guess like so he you know how he writes for a random website every once in a yeah. while, like a blog. It's some weird blog site. Someone was tweeting. They were like, "Can someone please get him on like a normal movie website instead of this like extremely conservative
1: <laughs> right wing blog?" It's like how is this the only site that'll take right? Him? Like why doesn't FanGoria just have a weekly? column with them or monthly or something where you're if he has an article right, like, just send it over the to website. them and they'll print it like that just seems like a no-brainer or like
0: bloody disgusting or like yeah somebody <laughs> anyone. like any
1: traditional big horror site should be able to get him on there to write something yeah it's really strange
0: TV shows. We're still talking about those. So we already knew that this October we were going to see Are You Afraid of the Dark on the big screen from Gary Doberman. And it was going to be a Halloween set movie. And that's going to be awesome. Nickelodeon, it turns out, is actually working on a revival of the show, which is also really cool. and It's going to be coming out uh, this year. Uh, So it's going to be a new miniseries, and it's going to follow new members of the Midnight Society as they gather around a campfire in the woods to share some scary stories. And it'll coincide with the release of the movie, which I guess kind of makes sense, because the movie has to be from Nickelodeon as well. So it's like, go see the movie, get that high-budget shit for adults like Mm -hmm. us, PG-13-ish, and then you can go home and watch the Nickelodeon show revival. It's a pretty smart way to do it, because, like, after you see the movie, you're going to want to watch the show, and then you'll have new episodes to watch. Right, that's
1: definitely the smartest time to release it is right around the same time as the movie, so you keep that interest strike while the iron's hot. So, did you watch
0: Are You Afraid of the Dark? I mean, I caught, like, an
1: episode here or there, but I wasn't an avid viewer of it. So,
0: it's weird, because Are You Afraid of the Dark, Eerie Indiana, and Goosebumps all shared actors and similar concepts obviously because they were all filmed in the same place around the same time in Canada right so if you watched one of those three you were kind of watching the same show but the one I watched the most was Goosebumps because that was the one you could get out at the library and stuff right
1: I think I would say I watched the most Goosebumps out of those three
0: yeah so I don't know I think this is really cool though I'm excited for the movie uh, the guy who's directing the movie is named DJ Caruso. I know we've talked about him before, and I know we've both sat here but like, what the hell else has he done? But I, I can't remember for the life of me. I hope it's good. It's weird that we're getting this and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark in the same year.
1: Yeah, it's definitely trying to strike that nostalgia bone that movies have been kind of harping on lately, since those are both, I think, a lot of people's introduction to horror that are kind of our age. Where right. They started watching this or they read scary stories and now that kind of sparked their interest and now they get to see a full-fledged big budget adaptation of that. So it's cool. It's a good time to be a horror fan.
0: Yeah, it's weird that the only image we have related to the Are You Afraid of the Dark movie is a like terrible photo from Cinemacon that someone just took with their phone. <laughs> like, that's the one that's out there. You'd think they could just release
1: Yes, anything. some kind of promotional material, anything, a poster. Anything. just like
0: <laughs> Just that logo on a black screen is like a GIF of the candle lighting up. Like, <laughs> come on. It's your only image out yeah, there. Yeah, it's, but, it's uh, like
1: coming out in October, which isn't that far away. I mean, right. it's six months out, but you'd think you'd have something at this point.
0: It's got to be soon, right? Right. <laughs> It's weird, and Annabelle three is coming out this year, and we haven't seen anything from that. It's just also insanely bizarre to me. Like, where where's the trailer for that? I think it comes out this summer.
1: Yeah, that's even sooner. <laughs> We're already so it's in, like... almost in March. <laughs> it's like what what is going on with these movies?
0: <laughs> They're just gonna come out out of nowhere. But you know, Blumhouse is out here dropping trailers for movies that come out in like November. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like what Blumhouse the keeping going the money train rolling here? for sure. Uh, I I read it. In that interview with Joe Bob, he was saying that because last year was so good for horror movies that this year wouldn't be the best time to make a horror movie. And I kind of agree with that because, you know, like last year, it feels like last year, 2018, with Hereditary and everything else that came out, you know, in Halloween, Mm -hmm. it was going to be the peak of this horror resurgence. And then things were going to trickle down from there because everyone is going to catch on. And that's why you're seeing stuff now like child's play getting remade
1: and shit like that a lot of cash grabs Uh, at the same time is actually quality movies
0: right and he's like leprechaun returns and all that garbage so he's saying that this year isn't really the year to make horror movies and that kind of makes sense because a lot of these movies that are coming out this year were mostly made last year right because it takes Mm -hmm. a long time to make a movie so i'm wondering how 2020 is going to be for horror movies
1: yeah it'll be weird to see if we get a massive dip in quality um, and then it kind of stabilizes Or if this trend is going to keep going And we're still going to get Like 30 horror movies in 2020 And 2021 And then it'll drop off Or if it'll be that quick of a turnaround Where after this year it'll drop off And then kind of stabilize
0: Right because It's kind of alarming to hear that Happy Death Day to you did not make As much money as it was projected to uh, It was supposed to make Like 30 million last week And like last weekend and it i think it made something or yeah it was supposed to make 30 or 40 million and it got kind of close but didn't hit it yeah just kind of alarming because first happy death day made a ton of money like an insane amount of
1: money yeah i think i saw figures at like around 23 million for this one
0: yeah so it may it'll make its money back for sure because it's a 10 million dollar movie but it's just a bummer
1: right i I i'd I wouldn't want to sacrifice the success of good movies for the quantity of just seeing a bunch of horror movies. Like, I want good movies that come out to still get the same amount of support they would have if there wasn't 10 other horror movies coming out. (laughs)
0: Right. So, I don't know. That's just what I've been thinking about lately. But Jason Blum, he uh, was doing an interview with Collider and I'm sure this was for a different movie, but of course they asked him about Lee Whannell's upcoming Invisible Man movie that Blumhouse and Universal are teaming up to make. Uh, he, Jason Blum guy seems to be like an open book. He said, uh, I don't believe in saying we're going to do movies about this and then trying to find a movie about it. Uh, he then said, so I didn't believe in going in and saying, I want to do all these movies and then try to find directors to do them. So I guess they're just starting out with Lee Whannell and the Invisible Man instead of reviving this whole dark universe. They're just starting small. Yeah, I We're going fi- to see how this goes. Because that's on a from big
1: uh, project to take on to redo all the Universal Monster movies and have that on your shoulders as big as opposed to just being like, well, well, we'll take the Invisible Man. We'll see what that's like.
0: Yeah, and uh, he, ke- he kept talking about it, and he was talking about Lee Winnell's script, and he said, it was like the Blumhouse version of The Invisible Man. It's a lower-budget movie, it's not dependent on special effects, CGI stunts, it's super character-driven, it's really compelling, it's thrilling, it's edgy, it feels now. He is such, like, a producer. <laughs> <laughs> it's thrilling, it's edgy, it feels new. <laughs> it's like, okay. But, hey, man.
1: I mean, he's figured something out. He's been the champion of horror for the past couple of years, so.
0: Yeah, seriously. I'm excited for this, though. I think Lee Wanell I think he's the guy to get things going with the Universal monsters. Because if you think about it, Universal kind of invented horror movies with these characters. So it'd be cool to see them modernized in a way that makes them still scary, but in a respectful way. Yeah. Unlike The Mummy with Tom Cruise.
1: <laughs> and, and I think doing it kind of like this, where you make it as a normal, as you would any other Blumhouse movie, where... You don't give it a massive budget and make it over the top with CGI and crazy effects. You just make it a grounded, practical horror movie with a good writer and a decent cast, and and you just kind of let, let the, the good script kind of work its way around as opposed to having CGI and effects and all the, the huge, big-budget effect things that would possibly dilute it.
0: Yeah, and so what I'm... The article that John Squires wrote over at Bloody Disgusting, he says it'll probably be between five and ten million dollars budget. I'd say it'd be on the low end of ten million, I'm guessing. I think five million is a little too cheap for something like this when you consider that Happy Death Day gets ten million dollars. Right. You know?
1: I mean maybe the second one would. Maybe the sequel of this one does well the next Universal Monster movie, but I feel like for most of their franchises, when they start with one, it gets like somewhere between five and ten and then the second one will get a 10 if it really performed well.
0: Yeah, so like Halloween, I think this one will start at 10 and get a little bit of an increase if it does well. Just because it's a bigger deal. Right, like it's
1: important to redo the... It's a bigger
0: deal than like uh, Truth or Dare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, it's like, it's, it's kind of like, I think it's worthy of a $10 million budget.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and we, uh, we've talked about it before. I think Lee Whannell's a great writer and, and a one of the best options to take on this project so i'm just really excited to see what he does with it
0: yeah me too uh so speaking of blumhouse though they kind of just dropped a trailer for this new movie called ma and it's starring octavia spencer basically a bunch of kids get her to buy alcohol for them they're still in high school and she's like you can come drink it at my house and uh she has this basement and i guess she starts throwing parties there and something happens where she ends up killing these teenagers. <laughs> and it looks awesome. It looks funny and kind of freaky.
1: Yeah, the trailer's really strange. It played for me before Happy Death Day to You. Uh, that was the first time I heard anything about it. But it, it definitely is a really weird original concept. It's uh, I'm excited to see kind of what it's all about because the, the trailer was definitely had me interested.
0: Yeah, it's written by Scotty Lands, who. Uh, is a writer behind Workaholics.
1: Okay. So, I mean, the,
0: the comedy kind of matches up with Workaholics. Yeah, you
1: can definitely see those elements coming through.
0: Yeah. The trailer's cool, though. Like, I saw someone get hit by a car in it that looked yeah. like a pretty good kill. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, I don't know. It's just a weird thing that only it seems like Blumhouse could do. And Octavia Spencer in a role like this is hilarious to me.
1: Right, where she's this party mom, I guess, that is also super dark and killing kids and like, throwing these huge rangers at our house it's it's definitely a cool original idea that i'm excited to see what it's like when it actually comes to fruition
0: doesn't this kind of feel like similar to something like uh what was that one movie that we just saw slice
1: yeah it's, it seems like it's probably something in the same vein probably around the same where there's comedic elements to it and And it's like very stylized in its own way. It's trying to be kind of like a normal Blumhouse, truth or dare, unfriended style with all the cast of teens that something bad happens to them. But with this (laughs) oppressive party mom.
0: Yeah. Uh, So that'll be out on May 31st of this year. That's crazy. That's like right around yeah, the corner. It's not, huh. not too far It's weird out. how they just come out with like, hey, this movie's coming out in like three months. Because honestly, fun. that
1: trailer was the first time I'd ever heard anything about it, and it's out in two months, three months.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's like... But it's through Universal, so Universal continues to make money off of Blumhouse.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a profitable <laughs> partnership crazy. for sure.
0: <laughs> they still have an unannounced movie coming out in uh, November. It's like slated for release. Yeah. You, so I don't know what that's... I you think you'd
1: want to start building hype for that now
0: you'd think you think George. <laughs> but that's gonna wrap it up for the news this week we'll be right back with our review of happy death day 2
1: y'all ready for this i'm coming
0: in from there all right guys we're back from our quick break here <laughs> This week we're talking about Happy Death Day to You. So I got to see this movie last Monday and I immediately texted George right when I got out of the <laughs> theater and I was like this is this is a top top 5 easily for 2019.
1: So fucking good. What did you think of yeah, it? Yeah, I loved it as well. I thought it was excellent and I can't wait to go see it again
0: basic plot synopsis picks up right after happy death day one with tree figuring out how to close the time loop that made her get killed every night and wake up she figures that out by figuring out who's killing her every night and everything seems fine until the time loop starts once again and they kind of reveal how it happened in the first place and that it wasn't divine intervention and then she ends up in a different time loop via this machine that's called sissy or something and the different time loop everything is slightly different and she kind of has to decide whether or not she wants to go back to her right uh universe or stay in this new universe because one of the things that are is different is pretty big and emotional and this one it's it's definitely i'd say it's a little less of a horror movie than the first one but i'd say it's in the exact same tone it has a lot more comedy in it and the writing is a lot better some overall funnier uh, Tree, once again, just an incredible character, and she's played by Jessica Roth, who's awesome. Like, yeah. this w- the movie's more about her than the story, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I was a little worried when the movie starts, because it, it, basically what it was billed as, what I thought the movie was going to be going into it was kind of a retread of the original, but with the other ancillary characters as opposed to Tree being the focus. Yeah. Um, and this one kind of starts with that where we get Ryan who is uh, Carter's roommate is stuck in his own time loop and then that quickly kind of dissipates and it's back on Tree as the main character which is the the smarter idea in my opinion because she's such a strong oh, totally. good lead and great character um, and basically when it kicks off from there and you get a little bit deeper explanation of what's going on in the world, uh, why these events are happening, you get to see some of these differences with this new storyline versus what happened in the first movie. It's just really interesting to see kind of how all these differences play out and and how Tree handles it as opposed to what happens in the first one.
0: There's this weird controversy with this movie right now where people feel like the marketing lied to them and sold it as more of a slasher movie. And I've also seen the sentiment that because horror fans bought tickets to the first movie, they're entitled to a scarier sequel. And I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Honestly, like
1: I mean, that's definitely the they, wrong way to look at it. I, I think if you know whoever's vision it is to make the sequel, especially if it's like uh, in this case where it's the same director, same writer. I think if they have an idea for how the series should go and it's their vision, you should let them do whatever they want with it.
0: The weird, it's it's a similar situation to Halloween for me, where there's this. This whole subgroup of fans of Halloween who don't see Lori Strode as an, a character who's as important as Michael Myers, mm-hmm. which I think is insane. Yeah, I mean, to that's think about absolutely that bonkers. She, she is so integral to the plot, and people are looking at Babyface in this as the like main draw when. I don't know how you can watch the first movie or even the trailer for this one and not realize that the draw of this entire franchise is the character Tree. Well, I don't even think Babyface
1: was the draw in Happy Death Day 1. I mean...
0: No, they just used him in the marketing to make it not look like a standard movie, you know?
1: I mean, he's basically a MacGuffin in the first movie. He's there to move the plot along, but it's all about Tree's journey throughout the, the movie.
0: Yeah, and so a really cool thing is that one of the characters who turns out to be the killer in the other universe, I'm really not trying to spoil things, that character has a mask, like a baby face mask, in their desk in the first mm-hmm. movie. So they kind of hinted at things that will happen in this movie in the first movie. And I saw some people say that this was a retread of the original, and it is not in any way. Like, not even not even close. It just it can't be classified as a retread. It is an entirely new movie that exists in the same like location it's still at that bayfield university uses a lot of the same characters but the entire plot is completely different
1: yeah i mean the only time there is i think like one sequence near the beginning where you do see that same loop that we saw in the original movie that same day kind of go play out and you're gonna but they don't keep retreading on that same exact thing we saw in the first movie because we already saw that loop 10, 15 times in the original, so why would you show yeah. that again in the sequel? I mean, there's... A, the plot, like you are saying, the plot is completely different. There's a whole new sci-fi element that we're looking at that is the main crux of the movie, the main plot of it all, um, and we just kind of see all these new facets to all the characters that we met in the original. So I I think to call it a, a retread or a remake, soft remake of the original is just foolish.
0: Yeah, is it's an entirely new movie I I just I, I don't think that holds water uh, at all that complaint and also there is a really well-directed slasher scene at the very beginning of the movie where the babyface killer is going after Ryan it's much better directed than any of the horror scenes in the first movie. It's like they went all out for that and then they moved on. And I got to say the scene where tree has to live through that day again from the first movie is hilarious because she's like fucking pissed (laughs) because everything was fixed. But then it turns out that it's like back to how it was. It's pretty good. And, uh, The montage where she has to commit suicide over and over again, that's like a big plot point in the movie. They use hard times by parable. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Flawless pairing. (laughs) Like, that just works perfectly with what's going on in the movie. But I think it's really cool that Jessica Roth doesn't care about looking like crap on screen. You know, she's waking up after a bender every morning when she's killing herself over and over again, (laughs) and she has her crappy mascara on, her hair looks like shit. You know, like She's game for whatever,
1: and I think that's really cool. You
0: can tell she does most, if not all, of her own stunts. uh,
1: One of my favorite scenes is, uh, this is in the trailer, where she wakes up and she has the huge frizzy hair that's, like, three feet out on every angle, on every side. It's just, like, (laughs) awesome. Like like you were saying, the comedy in this movie is great. Like, it's extremely well-written, super witty. Um, The plot is, like I said earlier, sci-fi, but I don't think it's too obtuse to not understand what's going on. Yeah. and they even have some parts that are very layman, where it's like, Tree, I can't believe you don't know what this thing is, and then explain it in a way that isn't just someone, a character looking into the camera and telling the audience exactly what's going on.
0: Yeah, and uh, the newer characters that are in her like friend group, I think are all pretty funny. It's, it's a really cool, diverse cast of characters who all have different personalities and just like different looks than you usually see in movies yeah. like the way they dress and everything and the hairstyles i just thought that was really cool how they looked like normal people and uh like in the first movie they have that joke about her not having ever heard of groundhog's day yeah. <laughs> and in this one it's back to the future too yeah. <laughs> she's never heard of which is great and the the emotional beats are insanely sad like that you know you know what scene i'm yeah, like, talking about i mean there's about. definitely there's one like, scene in particular
1: that definitely tugs at the heartstrings but there's a whole relationship in this movie that i think is very beautiful i mean it's a it's a great little story and and if you care for the main character it's it's emotional it's it's actually a pretty intense scene
0: <laughs> yeah and so the weird thing is people are acting like This movie picks up directly after the first one, right? So people are acting like she just met Carter, but she didn't just meet Carter. Carter just met her. But she had to live through all those days getting to know Carter when they were trying to figure out together in the first movie what was happening. So it makes sense that she'd still be kind of conflicted over... uh, Because in this universe, this is a minor spoiler, Carter is dating her super mean roommate, Danielle. And there's like another reason that she wants to stay in the new universe, Uh, that's pretty compelling so she has to kind of choose like this new character over carter basically and people are like oh it's like a really easy choice but no she like really
1: likes carter so right uh, she'd been living in that day for i think in the first movie they say like
0: 11 11 or or
1: somewhere between 11 and 20 times that she'd redone that day over and over again so uh you know it's like she's and not only that but she understands the routine of him completely after seeing exactly what happens every time and going through these similar interactions. So it's it's not as cut and dry I think as people are making it out to be in that sense.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, one of my favorite scenes was on one of the days she wakes up again in Carter's room and he's like under his oh. desk and she's like what the fuck are you getting under there anyway? And she's like oh, my mouth guard. Yeah, we finally get <laughs> the answer like, oh, okay. to what he's
1: been searching under the desk for the entire time.
0: Yeah. There's so many jokes like that in this movie where you wouldn't even think like, you would never think of that, and they they did, and they put it in there, and everyone just plays it so straight that it's hilarious, and uh, there's some really good action sequences in the hospital from the first movie. A tree looks really cool when she's holding an axe. I, I liked all the scenes where she was killing herself. The only one I didn't like was the bathtub because the CGI electricity no. <laughs> looked terrible, but that's the only bad visual effect in the entire movie. I think yeah.
1: Um, I think most of them did look pretty good. I don't. I mean, I think on a ten million dollar budget, they didn't really have to use too many special effects. But I don't think any of them looked horrible. Um, I, I think they got uh, Bear McCreary to do the score. He's the he scores so much stuff. But he did God of
0: War. The score really adds to this movie. It has a lot of original music, especially compared to the first one that used a lot of licensed music.
1: Mm-hmm. His score is incredible. Yeah, music was definitely great all the way through. Um, not only with the actual pop song inclusions, like you were saying with hard times, but the actual score is great too. So um, I could definitely see myself kind of going back and listening to a few of these.
0: Yeah. But you know, commenting on that whole thing where it's like, you think you're entitled to a horror movie with this and it was mismarketed. the people who make the movie, like Christopher Landon, the guy who wrote and directed it, he he's not the, he's not the marketing guy. He has nothing to do with that. So getting upset at him and punishing him by getting Mad that the movie is marketed to you as something different than it is is just stupid. And what why I don't understand why there's such this huge double standard where people get upset that trailers show too much, but then when they kind of mislead you or don't show you enough, people get just as mad. It's like make up your mind. Like pick what you want <laughs> right. movies to do. You want do. to see
1: exactly what it's going to be so you know what you're walking into, or do you want to be surprised when you walk into a theater? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just annoying, and I don't know, but I really think this movie is good. I think it's a lot better than the first movie. It feels like the first movie was kind of like a test case for this, and this is the one that he really wanted to make. I guess while they were editing the first one, Christopher Landon like came up with this idea for this movie. And he just told Jason Blum, and Jason Blum's like, "We're doing that. <laughs> that we got to do that." And it does tease a third movie after the credits. So. Hopefully that gets to happen. I really hope it does, because this is an awesome, awesome movie.
1: Yeah, I'd be interested in this, just seeing how they round out this trilogy, if they would make a third one.
0: I really hope that Fright Rags or Cavity Colors, like, someone does a line based on this. Because, like, I know Check-or-Treat Studios is putting out the baby mask, and I ordered one, just because it's awesome. Right. You know, it's only 20 bucks, why not have it? But, even though this is light on horror, it's still a pretty awesome, like, 80s-style smart horror comedy and horror comedy is really hard to get right because you're juggling two different extremely tough genres to yeah man. definitely and they did a great job but, i
1: mean i'd buy a bayfield babies university hoodie in two seconds if they had one <laughs> yeah it's so
0: funny that the the mascot for the school in the universe is, the, is a baby it's a bayfield baby like i would buy a college t-shirt right. for this bayfield <laughs> university it's like all made up it's just weird. It's weird how much like lore building and stuff that you no- don't normally see in a ten million dollar throwaway horror movie. You know. Right.
1: I mean, just there for merchandising alone, the college wear seems like a massive missed opportunity.
0: Yeah. So hopefully soon, Fright Rags or Cavity Colors gets on it. You, you think they will, right? Because they, Cavity Colors just did a shirt for The Prodigy.
1: Yeah, which was like, very lackluster. <laughs>
0: The movie. Yeah, the shirt looked cool, but the shirt was cool. uh,
1: Some of the designs are are cool, but the movie itself was not great.
0: Just a bizarre decision. So this this Happy Death Day to you got the rare coveted 5 out of 5 stars from me. I don't think there really are many ways it could be improved. Everything I feel like the filmmaker set out to do was achieved. Emotional beats are great. Comedy beats are great. Horror stuff was great. I don't think this really could have been improved in any other way and it totally justified its existence as a sequel
1: Yeah, in my opinion I think it's an extremely strong sequel uh, it's going to be a really tough trilogy to beat if they do end up making a third one I think this is going to go down in the annals of horror movie series in terms of really strong great female characters that this, the movies don't get worse as they go on um, I, mm-hmm. I'd give it like at least a 4.5 out of 5
0: yeah And I saw some people saying that Tree is a final girl. She's not a final girl because she's the only girl. She's the only person that the killer is kind of going after. And so she doesn't really fall into any of those tropes, which I think is really cool. She's her own thing. Mm. And she doesn't have to be classified as anything. She's just the main character of this movie, which I think is awesome. I mean, if anything, there's certain
1: scenes in the first one and the second one where she's an antagonist to... The real threat mm-hmm. so uh, you know like she takes on the very like Laurie Strode and 2018 um, style of taking the fight to who she assumes is the big issue in her life as opposed to running away all the time or trying to find different solutions
0: yeah like Carter I, I'd say fills more of the tropes of a final girl than she does yeah you know? I'd say so too so I think that's really cool and there's a really funny scene where they're going into a place where they think the baby face killer is going to be and she's holding the axe and Carter or a baseball bat and Carter's like let me take it she's like i I gonna handle it you're like yeah she can handle it and then he's like you died enough and she's like okay that's a good call yeah you're, you're like the same as her you're like yeah okay that's fair <laughs> it's just a bunch of little stuff like that so I'm not gonna spoil the big emotional beats it's just way it's a much higher caliber of the stuff that Blumhouse usually puts out Definitely. you know for what it is and I think everyone involved with it deserves your hard-earned money. So go see it as soon as you can. And I'd
1: say if you missed the first one because you thought it looked like just a typical slasher or something you weren't interested in, I'd say definitely give the first one a chance. And once you see it totally. and you love it, go out and see the second one.
0: Yeah, so uh, bye.